you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Counseling support groups have been very popular for quite some time. You know why that is, right? There's something very comforting about being with a group of people who have experienced the same types of problems that you have. And it's nice to get help from people who seemingly understand you. Unfortunately, not all support groups are created equal. Some can effectively give good support and counsel, but others function more like the blind leading the blind. While support groups offer community, they can often substitute for the essential community of the church, of the body of believers. So if you decided to join a support group today that would fit your current state of suffering, what would it be? Parents of children who are gifts of God but act more like spawns of Satan? Wives who are married to husbands with too many hobbies? Husbands who try to be single and married at the same time? Maybe Christians who are anxious but don't want anyone to know. We could literally offer hundreds of support groups, couldn't we? Well, what if I offered a support group with this title, People Who Suffer and Don't Deserve It? I would guess that many of us would enroll in that one. I don't deserve to be treated this way by my spouse. I don't deserve to suffer with this disease or disability. I don't deserve the injustice I'm suffering at work. Now, if I actually let you into my group, I certainly wouldn't be leading it. Jesus would be the only one who could facilitate this group. He would be able to totally relate to suffering without deserving it. Now, we have already recounted much of his suffering in our last episode. Just studying his life and death would tell you volumes of his unjust suffering. But there's still more to talk about, many more examples of how Jesus dealt with his suffering. Remember, these are the pivotal issues on our whole series of the problem of suffering. We always must point people, as well as ourselves, to Jesus if we're going to offer any help in their suffering, in our suffering. He is the perfect example of how to deal with any sort of suffering. But I would be remiss if I left you with the idea that you could join the people who suffer and don't deserve it support group. The reality is that it would have only one group member, our Lord and Savior, the suffering Jesus Christ. So while he can relate to your suffering, you will never understand the depth of his. Now, even though you can't join his support group, thankfully, he is willing to be your biblical counselor. He will teach you the answer to the problem of suffering. Now let's dive right into this second part of the sufferings of Jesus Christ. We will deal with Christ's example, his teaching on suffering, and his experience with the subject of suffering. So let's begin with the example of Jesus in the face of suffering. 
What happened when Jesus encountered suffering? Well, first, Jesus demonstrated his power over the evil of sin. We read an example of this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. So Jesus got into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own city. Then behold, they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And at once some of the scribes said within their hearts, This man blasphemes. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. And when the multitude saw it, they marveled and glorified God, who had given such power to men. Now think for a moment about what Jesus was doing. He dealt with the root cause of the problem of human suffering by breaking the stranglehold of the evil of sin. Jesus exercised his prerogative as God in forgiving sin. Always remember that sin is the universal source of all suffering, which we've already talked about extensively. So sin must be dealt with as well as physical suffering. Unfortunately, we often want just to deal with the surface suffering we're going through instead of what is going on in our hearts. Jesus shows us that sin is the greatest form of suffering we have, and he deals with it. Well, second, Jesus also demonstrated his power over the evil one who brings suffering, that is Satan. Remember, you can't have a right understanding of your suffering without dealing with the evil one himself. We've already looked at Jesus' power over Satan when he defeated his temptations in the wilderness. In other places in the Gospels, we read of how he, even the demons submitted to Christ. What's truly amazing is that Satan purposed to destroy the works of Christ, but his works were destroyed instead. We read of that in 1 John 3, verse 8. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil himself has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Think about it. Satan attempted to make Christ unfit to rule, unfit to redeem his people. Satan also wanted Christ to die, but certainly not as a sinless sacrifice. The victorious work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection guaranteed the final downfall of Satan. The power of evil has been met and conquered by Jesus Christ. So then third, Jesus demonstrated his power over natural evil when nature kills and destroys. We see this through Jesus' ministry of miracles, where he declared his true identity and promised the demise of pain and suffering. The 35 or so miracles recorded for us in the New Testament are really object lessons which display answers to suffering. Just a couple examples. Jesus' power was demonstrated in his miracles of healing. Right? He didn't heal everybody, but his healing ministry was a grand illustration of his mission. 
namely the death of death. But secondly, Jesus' power was also demonstrated through his nature miracles. The promise and provisions of the kingdom were portrayed in the signs and wonders of the Messiah. He showed that he has all power over this natural fallen world. Because think about how much nature produces untold suffering and that we know only Jesus can defeat it. But also, Jesus demonstrates, fourthly, his power over the evil of death. We see it first with the raising of Lazarus, but most of all, we see it, of course, in his own resurrection. So consider just a couple of truths about the resurrection of Jesus. First, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is God's ringing cry that evil has not triumphed. It defeated the real grip of pain and suffering, for the resurrection gave clear proof of the success of Christ's work on the cross. But also secondly, the resurrection of Jesus Christ shows us that there's a shining path through the valley of the shadow of death. Because he was raised and is guaranteed the believer's destiny of glory, there is hope in all of our personal suffering. We hear that in Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So that means, Christian, whatever suffering you are experiencing in body, soul, mind, or even relationships, you have the life of Christ in you because his spirit dwells in you. We have only temporary suffering because of the power of Christ in us. So Jesus demonstrated his power over all human evil and suffering. He is the great conqueror and victor over suffering. But Jesus was not only the greatest example of overcoming suffering, he also explained suffering to us and for us. After all, always remember that Jesus is the greatest teacher who ever lived. So why wouldn't he teach us about our suffering? The question is, are you learning from Jesus or are you learning from other sources outside of Christ? Well, here are some examples of when Jesus explained suffering and taught about suffering. First, Jesus taught that pain and suffering are not necessarily due to personal sin. One example of this is John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. Now, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Now, understandably, the disciples just assumed that the suffering of blindness was from personal sin. Just like Job's friends saw all his suffering as his personal responsibility. How often do we connect suffering directly to personal sin? I think way too often. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that pain and suffering are never a consequence of our own sin. 
But we always must be careful to look at all of our suffering or the suffering of others as caused by our sin or their own sin. A second teaching of Jesus is that pain and suffering provide the occasion for the glory of God to be revealed to ourselves and to this world. Back again to John 9, verses 2 to 3. Remember, Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Jesus focused on God's purposes for suffering. Now stop and think about how essential this is when you're suffering. It is so easy to be self-focused, looking for solution, relief, or change of circumstances. Jesus teaches that we should be looking for the works of God to be revealed in our lives. We should be looking to magnify the Lord and to glorify Him alone. And then the third teaching of Jesus, pain and suffering should become the occasion for driving us to God. Listen to Jesus again in Luke chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. Now there was present at that season some who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. And Jesus answered and said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were worse sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered such things? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Of those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them, do you think that they were worse sinners than all other men who dwelt in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Yet again, Jesus taught that personal suffering was not necessarily related to personal sin. These Galileans who were slaughtered by Pilate were not slaughtered because they were the worst of sinners, nor the ones whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed. Again, we learn that pain and suffering are a necessary part of living in a fallen world. But the key principle expressed here by Jesus is that our response to suffering is more important than looking for a cause of our suffering. Suffering should always drive us to God, not away from Him. That is true for the Christian and the non-Christian alike. Now, this is one of the reasons why non-Christians can benefit from biblical counseling. Their problems must lead them to the end of themselves and to God himself. But again, notice that Jesus says, But I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He was focused on the response to our suffering. The response to our suffering should be turning from ourselves and our sin and turning back to God. Well, let's move on to when Jesus himself experienced suffering. Again, he is our greatest example. So it makes sense that we are called to imitate our Lord's response to suffering. So first we know that Jesus endured his sufferings with great patience. Listen to Hebrews 5 verses 7 through 9. Who in the days of his flesh, when Jesus had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. 
Think about it. The perfect Savior actually learned obedience through suffering. When tested by suffering, he remained patiently obedient to the Father. We read also of that in Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. He endured the cross as much as he conquered it. Jesus was the picture of extreme patience, and he was also extremely patient with his disciples. They were a source of suffering for him as well. Well, second, Jesus saw his suffering as the opportunity to bring glory to God the Father. Listen to John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was made. So what does Jesus mean here? How do you glorify God in your suffering? Well, we'll talk more about that in another episode. But foundationally, it means that Jesus wanted God's excellence to be exhibited for all to see. He wanted his wisdom, his power, his love to be made evident before the world. Do you glorify God in your suffering like that? Well, then third, Jesus continued to minister to others during his own suffering. This is another key part of suffering that we often miss. Under this point, I often think of Johnny Erickson Tata, how she beautifully imitates Jesus on this point, that she continues for 50 years to serve others in her own suffering. Well, we read in Mark 10, verse 45, that Jesus himself said he came to serve, not to be served. We read in John 13, verses 1 through 17, about his washing of the disciples' feet and serving them. Jesus came to serve us as the suffering servant. Again, think deeply about that, how suffering and service go together, how suffering is our path to ministry. But we think opposite of that often, don't we? We often want to be delivered from our suffering first, So in our full health, our full strength, our full mental capacity, emotional capacity, we can somehow serve better. But we are best when we're broken. We are best when we're suffering with others as suffering people. And then fourth, Jesus' identity and sense of mission gave him stability in the darkness of his suffering. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus knew his mission. Jesus could have had a victim mentality all through his life and certainly leading up to his death. 
But Jesus never gave in to self-pity. His focus was on his father and on his mission, which gave him the soundness of mind and heart he needed to be able to endure his suffering. Well, fifth, Jesus did not return evil for evil in his suffering, which is often what we do when we're suffering at the hands of others. Listen to Luke 23, verse 34. Then Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He always loved his enemies, forgave them. So when you suffer at the hands of others, what do you do? Do you follow Jesus' example? And then six, Jesus entrusted himself to the Father in the midst of unjust suffering. We read about this in 1 Peter 2, 23. Who, when he was reviled, did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously. This is so important. Jesus' eyes were always on the joy set before him. Jesus committed himself to God to be in control of his suffering. Do we entrust ourselves to God or tend to doubt God in our suffering? We will only increase our suffering when we choose to trust in ourselves. Now we'll end our thoughts on the sufferings of Christ with a summary of the significance of these sufferings. Well, the ultimate significance of his suffering is found in the cross of Christ, the symbol of the greatest of all evil and suffering this world has known. So these summary statements will all be put in the context of the cross. First, the cross of Jesus Christ reveals the kind of world in which we live. Because if you think about it, the cross is the symbol of total unfairness. Thus, we as believers will suffer unfairly too. Second, the cross of Jesus Christ reveals God's answer to the problem of suffering. The answer is found in the triumph of love and justice. They meet at the cross. Third, the cross of Jesus Christ reveals the destiny of evil. Satan was judged and evil was issued a death warrant. We triumph over the evil of suffering as well. Fourth, the cross of Jesus Christ reveals the trustworthiness of God. He is the God of total sacrificial love. Fifth, the cross of Jesus Christ and its great guarantee, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, reveal a door of hope for all who will believe. Suffering is only bearable in Jesus Christ. And then next, the cross of Jesus Christ reveals that pain and suffering is not always for our sins. And then finally, the cross of Jesus Christ reveals the promise of the presence of Christ in the suffering of the believer. We are not alone. We always have God's presence. Christians can bear suffering because we are in Christ. We'll close then with these wonderful words from Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is the only answer to all of our suffering. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.